Hi, and welcome to a new episode of Political Bark. In this week's episode, I have the uh, honor of having uh, Halvar Widerö with me. He is uh, a guest with Political Bark for the second time. He were, he is a, um, a graduate in social economy and in industrial management, uh, a political scientist engineer, in other words. And today, uh, him and I, we are tackling the uh, very small topic of the world economic order in 2021. So welcome, Halvar. Thank you. Thank you for uh, being so interested in this topic, uh, and as a geeky nerdy interested in uh, political and the political science and uh, the uh, world order these days, as I am, that's that's how we came up with uh, wanting to make this episode because both of us were discussing um, power dynamics, power struggles, alliances, um, and basically where the world is headed these days, this summer. Um, so uh, that's the reason behind this episode. And also because we ha- I haven't personally seen many episodes in other podcasts or writings about this specific topic. So perhaps uh, we can uh, start uh, by talking about uh, the, the title of this uh, episode, which is 30 Years Later. Uh, I came up with the title as I was... Uh, reading a bit about the, the history of uh, the different uh, world orders, so to say, and uh, noticed that from 1991 until today, it has been 30 years. So from um, the fall of the Iron Curtain and to the sort of liberal democratic world um, and uh, powers for that we are in now, it's been 30 years. The question is then, is the system going to change? Are we moving from a democratic liberal world order into something else? Uh, let's look at the different uh, stakeholders. Um, Harvard, can you speak a bit about uh, Russia, uh, China, and the US very briefly as an introduction? Yes, okay. Um, well, uh, yeah, it's been uh, 30 years. You can call it a uh, kind of US-led uh, liberal world order, or some call it like the liberal he- hegemony. Um, mm. And uh, after the fall of the Soviet Union in 1991, uh, the US was left as the world's sole superpower. Mm. And um, one could argue, argue that it pursued a strategy of uh, liberal hegemony. Um, mm. Unipolar hegemony. Yeah. In the world, the, what uh, some political scientists, I forgot his name, call it the unipolar moment. Wrote, wrote on an article, uh, and uh, in the early ni- 1990s, or uh, at the end of the, of the Cold War. Um, and uh, but now I think the sort of the tectonic plates, uh, the geopolitical tectonic plates that are that are underpinning this. Or that were underpinning this uh, global world world order is uh, shifting. The mm-hmm. U.S. Uh, have been in a, in a kind of a state of a relative decay. I mean, this you could argue that this world order uh, worked relatively well for 10, 15 years, but from the start of the with the U.S. invasions in the in the in Middle East, which uh, didn't work out as they had uh, planned, and with the financial crisis of, of 2008, uh, as well as the rise of China and with the Vladimir Putin's 
sort of resurrecting Russian power in mm. the uh, 2000s. This uh, one could argue that, that this world world order started going into uh, started facing some difficulties, and now with the the election of Donald Trump in 2016, mm. right, it's, uh, you can argue that he had his gun set on NATO and the EU and the UN and uh, various uh, global or um, international institutions. Yeah, this, um, he was a this, he uh, was a, a breath of fresh air uh, to say the least, and he I think in many ways he propelled the movement. The, the, the movement of the tectonic plates, as you said, in the, this new direction where, where it was already headed, but he uh, forced a movement faster because he laid the grounds of what could be in terms of alliances, in terms of uh, new power struggles and uh, actors by opening up much towards the east, much more towards the east, doing things in a very different manner. But if we think about the era from 1941 until 1991, what, what system did we see then? Well, I you had a, a bipolar world 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 system sort of where the U.S. led the Western order, which consisted of, of NATO and various um, allied uh, countries. You had on, on, on one hand, and on, and on the other hand, you had a uh, a Soviet-led or a Russian-led um, communist bloc. Um, so this was in in this was very much a sort of realist uh, competition between the two um, mm. two uh, world, world orders. One, one, one could argue. Mm-hmm. And then with that came also a lot of propaganda. I don't know. I think it was the birth of propaganda in that period, the propaganda that we see today in terms of um, uh, effectively influencing the population in in either direction, which is something we'll come back to later in the in this episode. So it was a bipolar world with two uh, power poles, and um, from 1991, with the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, and until today, there's been a. I wouldn't say a completely unipolar because, of course, Russia and China and other um, not stakeholders and actors have been very much uh, on the stage. However, uh, it uh, seems as if uh, the uh, American or the European or the Western way of doing things has been the one that has been the most influential um, in terms of leading the way for, for what should be. Uh, do you think we are yes. going to, we have seen a period in 1991 until uh, the recent years where there's been more of a unipolar situation and is that changing? Yes, I think so very much, but it's still kind of unclear how much it, it, it will change. But I mean, uh, as we said, the, with, the, with the rise of China, the resurrection of uh, Russian power, as we've seen with the invasion of the, or the war in Georgia and the war in Ukraine, Russia has effectively blocked um, NATO and EU uh, expansion into its sphere of uh, influence, and also uh, with China's uh, colossal economic growth for uh, since for especially for the past uh, 20 years since it's been since it was uh, admitted into the. WTO in 2001. China has also been growing uh, very, very fast economically. 
and so it's now emerging as a potential peer competitor to the to the US and so um, for uh, containing China uh, militarily uh, of course the um, East, East Asian countries like uh, Japan, South Korea, India will become much more important to the uh, to the uh, to the to the U.S. than uh, than than Europe, Western Europe. So mm. I think we'll we'll see a shift uh, of um, of uh, power dynamics or alliances. Yeah, or, or a shift of, uh, of, of U.S. focus from uh, mm. Western Europe which will become much less important to the U.S. to uh, to Northeast. Which which is something that Western yeah. Europe at least has been. Uh, not to sound mean, but crying about for a while now that uh, the U.S. is not giving enough uh, resources, money, uh, and uh, military training, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, to uh, Europe, and I, which they are, of course, right in 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 wanting and thinking of. So, if we uh, imagine uh, the world, uh, the next decades being a multipolar world, not a unipolar or somewhat unipolar world, as we've seen with the U.S. as uh, the main uh, head of uh, power and also uh, model, ideal model, we can imagine many different poles of power, economic power, uh, hard power, but also influential power in terms of um, mentalities, cultures, and uh, ways of behaving. I think one reflection is what we see today, at least in Western Europe, where a lot of countries, um, a lot of embassies, especially from uh, from Western countries, have had the uh, LGBTQ uh, rainbow flag uh, together with their uh, normal flag during the Pride Week some some uh, one month ago, I think. But there's something I noticed then, especially here in Oslo, uh, which was that um, usually this, they usually not all Western embassies would have the flag this year. All Western embassies had the flag, but the Eastern embassies, so then we think Eastern Europe, Middle East, uh, forward Asia, did not have the flag. I think it's a very interesting mark um, because um, obviously this was planned, the raising of the flags, which embassies would do it, which would not, which would not allow it, let's say also. And how can we uh, think about the social policies and uh, how they might be changing? Because right now there's a European crisis, a division between East Europe and West Europe when it comes to uh, social policies. Uh, talk together that, that with a uh, head of the union, uh, which is completely dysfunctional in handling social policies. Uh, there's many, many ways to discuss that, but that's not the topic for this issue, this uh, episode today. But if we see uh, the world divided not only not only into important economic spheres in a multipolar world, we will also see different mentalities. During the Cold War, Russia uh, with socialism, communism, and then also liberal democracy. Which which uh, ideal uh, um, identities and mentalities do you think we would see onwards? Liberal democracy, Western Europe, America, and what more? Yeah, I think um, you're right that we, we see that the Eastern European countries, like uh, now now Russia, which has become sort of a conservative uh, power with the resurrection of the, the Orthodox Church, 
as an important uh, national uh, source of national identity, and also we see now in Hungary with Viktor Orban, Orban mm. uh, and his sort of uh, nationalist, uh, uh, populist um, uh, ideology. There is, there is uh, no, no, no doubt that we are seeing sort of a return to more uh, traditional or conservative norms in, uh, in especially in Eastern Europe, but also in uh, Western Europe, we also see more, more and more uh, populism. Um, uh, so there is no doubt that um, that I think that uh, this this is a symbol of sort of uh, uh, retreat of Western idealism or uh, influence. Yes, which mm. is uh, by far receded in Eastern Europe, um, but also somewhat in uh, Western Western Europe also. I find it interesting growing up, uh, I'm half Hungarian, so growing up being a lot in Hungary um, in my youth and until today, of course, I'm, I'm still young. <laughs> but um, I mean, what's interesting to see is that the sort of modernization, yes, it happened in terms of... Um, the uh, economy and the country and the infrastructure, uh, etc. But there's many things that were never uh, as it is in Norway or in Western Europe. And that goes also for the policies and the ideologies and the, and the social policies, which is perhaps it, it might also be a surprise to many uh, that uh, Hungary is reacting the way it's reacting uh, these days, uh, imposing more conservative uh, agendas, as you say. But this, uh, this perhaps shouldn't be that much of a surprise because it hasn't ever been as modern as Western Europe. It's just that we are really highlighting it these days. Uh, also with the, uh, the, the um, pinpointing of the values that constitute Western countries and the values that do not constitute it, if you see what I mean. There's an extra emphasis these days on what it means to be a liberal democracy and what it means to not be one. Uh, so, so the categories are therefore more uh, exclusive. Um, I mean, growing up and in, 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 in seeing it in Hungary, it was never the same way as Western Europe, but it was, uh, it was of course, uh, uh, part of the European Union with uh, aspiring for freedom and, and democracy, of course. But I think uh, um, this uh, sometimes it can remind us of a sort of a propaganda uh, conflict going on. Uh, in many countries for uh, for either side do you think this propaganda uh, i would like to say propaganda because it is it is quite heavy uh, if you move from east to west now you you would definitely see a difference uh, you would for example not see any um, lgbtq flags in hungary um, i know uh, some companies that uh, are present in Western Europe and in Eastern Europe, but do not allow the same merchandise in merchandise in uh, Hungary, for example, as they would in Norway, which is interesting because of yeah, the issues it creates with the government. Um, and also with the, and I think also Orbán's uh, refusal to accept uh, refugees is another uh, example of that. Have like the multicultural. Western Europe, and uh, which has embraced uh, multiculturalism yeah. as integration, whereas you have the Eastern uh, countries like 
Hungary, Russia, which are much more opposed to mm. uh, yes. immigration and have embraced them much, much more uh, yes. mm. tra tra traditional. Yeah. Uh, mm. in, in many ways, it shows the fragility and the uh, scarcity of the, uh, the European Union, sorry to say. Yes. Because it's uh, it's a unifying actor when it comes to getting them on the right side from uh, the uh, Cold War, you know, to making them member states. But the rest hasn't been that successful. So uh, let's go back to the multipolar uh, world. Which actors do you expect to see in a multipolar world? Are we going to expect to live in a in a Cold War situation, or what can we think of? I think we'll have uh, sort of three main powers, which are the U.S. on one hand and uh, China on the other, which are the main powers, but also Russia as a, as a third great power. But this um, is a declining uh, regional power, so to speak. I don't think uh, Russia as a, is a is a world power or a global power, but it's a regional power uh, in uh, Europe. So I think we'll see um, that the a sort of a new Cold War will emerge between the US and China on uh, um, on uh, or with the US on uh, one side and with China on the other. Um, and I think that but it's still unclear how much or how fast uh, China will 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 rise if China rises uh, and become uh, and becomes economically even more powerful. I think that the U.S. will perceive China as a um, as a uh, threat, and China will definitely strive for regional hegemony in uh, in in eastern uh, in eastern. Uh, Asia, which uh, the U.S. will definitely perceive them as a threat, and, yeah. but possibly also Russia. So I think that um, uh, Western Europe will then matter much less to the to the to, to the U.S. than than during during the the Cold War, because that there is no fear competitor in the uh, in, uh, yeah. in Western Europe, and also because there is no uh, focus. To, to spare for the European, uh, for the Western uh, Western countries. Uh, yes. I mean, they are not in a direct threat, so the, the focus will be on uh, leveling up to China. But uh, I read in the newspaper, Norwegian newspaper, Dagens Næringsliv yesterday, uh, just a small side, um, side note, that the Chinese currency yen is uh, being bought up by all of the biggest companies and banks globally now uh really securing a storage of it i mean th this is a clear sign that we are we have not only welcomed but we are also dealing now with china in a uh, very institutionalized way almost uh i mean the 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 type of discussion we see in media on from biden president biden on china uh is that only uh political discussions to 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 gain votes to gain uh followers uh, and uh, because the reality is that we are already obviously immensely uh, emerged into to each other or the countries uh, Western Europe perhaps less than East and the Middle East and Africa but uh, definitely uh, very much involved with China 
Yes. Uh, so I think that uh, I think that uh, President Biden will definitely try to pressure Europe to engage less with uh, with with China because while Europe doesn't matter much militarily to uh, to contain China, Europe trades a lot with, uh, with with China. So I think that the U.S. will put pressure on Western Europe, and not only Western Europe, but also in other important countries like, well, well Australia and uh, and uh, New 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 Zealand, who also trade with uh, with China to to engage less with China. So this will be uh, a, a Continuation of the of the of the trade war that um, mm, that mm. Uh, Donald, Donald Trump uh, launched, as we discussed in the previous. Uh, mm, mm, mm. And what about um, looking at the China and the vaccine rollout? I mean. Uh, uh, some would say there was a Sinopharm Silk Road touching mid the Middle East, touching Africa, touching uh, East Europe. But of course, uh, I haven't seen much Sinopharm in uh, in uh, Western Europe. Yeah, no. Was that a way to uh, yeah, no, influence? Uh, yeah, yeah, I think so. Definitely, um, China is being blamed a lot in the uh, in the in the West also for the coronavirus, which originated in uh, in uh, China. China, but I think that um, China definitely uses these, uh, this vaccine and also other uh, forms of economic uh, leverage to gain influence in mm. the in the uh, in the uh, world. And uh, I believe uh, Hungary and uh, Eastern East European countries all all bought their vaccines from uh, from uh, China. Mm, yes, mm, and the Middle East, and I mean, and, uh, they are opening a Chinese university in Budapest, uh, one of the only ones that exists in Europe ever, uh, which is, you know, interesting. I know that the Middle East, Egypt has several uh, Chinese universities where you are taught in Chinese fully and uh, taught about actually basically to make use of the, uh, into a, a worker that can work with the Chinese trade or etc. Chinese relations. Oh wow! I actually didn't didn't know that, but you can definitely see that as a form of Chinese uh, soft soft uh, soft power, like yeah. the, uh, like the like the like the Silk Road that they are constructing in. Norway uh, recently commented or uh, accused or uh, noted that the China was responsible for the um, hacking that occurred uh, a while back on the uh, government's um, uh, network. Uh, yeah. Oh. yeah, so uh, and that was also at the same time as Biden also accused or noted that um, China reacted with uh, surprise and also confusion as to why they were accused without evidence. What do you think about the way um, Western countries are reacting to um, existing or uh, uh, potential threats or uh, actions from uh, China? Well, I think that they are definitely, it's, it's probably a part of these sort of uh, attempts to block Chinese uh, influence. Um, I think that they, I think that uh, China or, 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 or Russia were always the main uh, suspects in this case. So it's not really a surprise to see that it was China. Um, China is definitely pushing back against the, uh, against the West to sort of create its own, um, 
the sort of um, yeah chaos created its own sphere. Mm. It, 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 in in influence. Mm, mm, mm. Um, I mean, uh, and diplomatically, what what could you say about the way that uh, the West handles China? I know that uh, more Eastern uh, politicians will have a much more friendly and open relationship with Chinese uh, heads of states and etc. Um, of course, being aware of of, of uh, attempts of hacking or other that that happened to them too, but there is a much less hostile uh, tone. Um, the hostile tone that exists in Western Europe towards uh, China uh, or Russia, for that matter, is that also part of the new world order, do you think? Uh, yes, I think so. And I think that um, I mean, um, the, the, the competition will, 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 will definitely be between the, uh, the US uh, and its allies and, uh, and, uh, and, the, and, the, and the Chinese. But I, Order. So I think so, uh, yes. Hmm. So uh, looking at the um, end of the unipolar world again, uh, and then um, I'm very interested in knowing more about the economic changes and the visions that we will see onward. Halvar, what, what, what do you imagine? Well, I think that the if you look at the uh, much of the uh, developed world, um, also including especially China and Russia, we see uh, we see that the populations in the um, in those countries are, are aging uh, fastly. The baby boomers are retiring, the ones who are born from 1945 to 1964, uh, approximately. And uh, as um, as populations age, they uh, of course, they are opposing retirement, and they are, uh, and so they are investing and uh, consuming far less. So I believe that this will have uh, effects for uh, for for countries that are have export that mm, yes economies. And, um, but if mm. you look at the at the uh, at the at the uh, US, uh, their um, their um, Population is uh, is is far younger and um, also um, more diverse and also yes and uh, and also in 2018 Mexico became the U.S. largest uh, trading partner mm, and they have is, a uh, very young population yes and uh, also uh, with lower skills than uh, the ones in the in the U.S., I think that the and 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 the and the U.S. also has a consumption-led e, e, economy. So I think that um, uh, looking at, at it from that perspective, it's 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 clear that the U.S. needs Europe and other and and, 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 and other countries far less than. Uh, uh, or the U.S. relies on, on export far, far less than, uh, for instance, China and also many Western European countries like uh, like like Germany, which has a very export-led economic system. Uh, so I think that the U.S. will 
economically relies much less on the on the rest of, rest of 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 the world uh, than um, most other countries. Um, so so I think that they have every incentive to sort of lead this uh, international system, mm. which is probably what 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 will happen. And then uh, for for instance, China faces huge uh, problems because they're their population is already aging, which means, which makes a uh, consumption-led economy impossible. Uh, and with the uh, demise of the world order, this could also have potential very grave uh, consequences for uh, for China. So therefore, its 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 rise is by no means certain. And, mm. uh, if, if the US wants to um, wants to break China, all they have to all they might potentially have have to do is just go home and then stop uh, trading so much and uh, importing yeah or, or, or stop uh, providing the uh, the security for free trade by uh, patrolling the world oceans and stop integrating china into the world mm. economy mm, mm, correct um so so a multipolar world is uh going to be going to happen but at the same time it can be uh, destabilized uh, quickly um and what if we look at russia what is russia's situation i mean china's um china's sort of progression the last decade seems to stem from needs uh, internally nationally in the country a need to uh, as you mentioned an aging population um a need to uh, be a more significant uh, in uh, real real player actor in the uh, uh internationally not only in in parts of the world which they have managed what about russia what are the issues uh russia is going to face as a, as a, as an actor in this multipolar world well i think that um russia is also facing a demographic decline there is no doubt about that um russia relies heavily on oil exports uh, which is a, a significant part of its uh, gdp so um and also with the world relying perhaps less and less on on oil uh russia will face uh, declining uh, incomes but it's um it's it's also as i said uh, Previously, that it's 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 very likely that Russia will will also see China as a growing threat, depending on how 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 much or how fast it can continue to it, it can continue its uh, its uh, rise. So it's possibly that we will see a sort of shift uh, for Russia towards the the West and away from uh, from China. But Russia will also, of course, face uh, issues with uh, with uh, with with trade and with its mm, mm. but what if china and russia uh, together act i don't think it's very likely i think that russia perceives china's belt and road initiative as a threat? probably a, 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 a greater greater threat than the, than the, than the west does yeah mm, correct mm. can you explain more about why I mean, uh, if, if you if you look at the 
I mean, R Russia has always, of course, um, looked at the former uh, Soviet Union as its sphere of influence, and um, and as and as and as China's uh, influence in uh, in countries in Mid Asia like uh, Kazakhstan, uh, Tajikistan, Uzbekistan mm. grows, then mm. of course Russia Russia will will, will see its uh, its influence uh, diminished. Mm. 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 Correct. And uh, what? What? Let's look at the winners and the losers in this new uh, world order. Uh, and if we think also about who is holding the bargaining power, because if we look at the countries in the east and the middle, let's say we look at East Europe and Middle East, um, their bargaining power is that they accepted Sinopharm and they accepted Pfizer. They bought from both. Uh, they are not, I mean, yes, they are more conservative, uh, much more conservative than Western, uh, the Western uh, countries. Uh, and they definitely, uh, therefore, they're more to a Eastern, uh, Eastern way of, of, of uh, uh, organizing their societies. Uh, but at the same time, they are in development and in modernization, albeit they are doing it in their own uh, independent ways. Um, do they have any bargaining power if uh, if the west needs in the end the needs to maintain its uh, importance and its uh, position in the global world order uh, will they stretch in order to uh, uh, have good alliances with them or would that be seen as not interesting if they do not share let's say the same uh, social uh, values anymore yeah, I think that now, uh, as we see that the liberal international order is in decay, I think that um, social values will uh, matter less as we progress into a sort of a realist or a mer mercantilist uh, competition mm. between East and, uh, and, uh, and, and West. I don't think that Eastern Europe will, with the US, uh, possess much of a bargaining power because it, it it, it it has no military relevance to the uh, to the West since uh, containing Russia or, or the Soviet Union is no more is no longer. Mm. I mean, I it's it's a quite dramatic situation if you think about it because um, the 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 alliances might go in either direction. I mean, Hungary, let's say, as I know the country, would have would benefit from them partnering up with let's say China and Russia. Uh, but also with the EU, if there is, if, if the Western countries, if there is, uh, I mean, uh, if the US is no longer interested in backing uh, the EU and NATO, Hungary loses its interest also in being part of uh, the Union and of NATO in many ways. Yes, and I think that, but I think that uh, when it comes to, like, as I said, like military power or uh, NATO, the uh, the U.S. has has uh, ha has lost much of the interest, but um, the U.S. May, may may put pressure on Eastern Europe uh, not to engage uh, further mm. economically with uh, with uh, China. Mm. Mm. But I don't see them as possessing much uh, bargaining power since they are uh, not uh, militarily. Significant, like I said, and 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 they don't have much uh, economic uh, power. Mm, mm. But in the in the uh, Middle East, where the oil is, and um, 
where China, of course, gets uh, most of its oil, mm. then I think that we will still see a uh, sort of a a, uh, a competition. Between, Definitely. Uh, Very, China yeah. And, uh, so, so they will be in a bargaining position, uh, maintaining good relations with uh, the US and with Russia and China. Yes, I think so. Although I think the, the era of um, U.S. Inter, 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 interventionism in the, uh, in the it, Middle East is, of course, also coming to an end. Yeah, it is coming to an end. It, how do you relate that to the recent, um, more so, direct backing of Israel in the Israeli-Palestine conflict? Well, I think that uh, the Israel lobby is still very important um and also of course the uh, the arab world is uh, by far in an alliance more or less covert with uh, israel against iran mm-hmm. uh, which is which is backed by uh, uh by china so um of course it, it i think it will, it will play play a part in um uh, i think that this will also be a theater for competition between uh, between the U.S. and uh, and uh, and uh, China, um, mm. but I think the uh, the issue of uh, of Palestine has become less and less and less and less important since uh, m- most of the Arab world is in cohorts with uh, correct mm. Israel. Correct. Mm. And if we bring this uh, topic uh, to uh, back to our small country of Norway, uh, what changes would you expect to see? In, I mean, currently we're seeing a quite a direct critique of, um, let's say, Eastern Europe and of actors that are not following human rights. Norway has been and is one of the sort of um, proponents of um, humanitarian values and um, benchmarks worldwide that's sort of the role norway has taken um do you think that's going to change since um democracy uh liberal democracy especially is not going to be the first thing to think of when the real politic and when the real uh, not when when not real but more important bigger resources are at play yeah i think that as i said i think that um that uh, Europe militarily is uh, is uh, much less important to the to the uh, to the U.S. than uh, previously. And, uh, NATO might possibly also disappear over over uh, over time as the U.S. loses interest in NATO. But I think that, um, as I said, I think that uh, Norway will definitely still be be, be, be close to the uh, U.S. And I think that the U.S. will Will also put put pressure on uh, on uh, on Europe to oppose China uh, economically, and I think that in that regard, I think that Norway will will probably uh, maintain its uh, criticism of uh, dictatorships like uh, like China as a part of that whole mm. economic um, economic uh, um, mm. trade trade uh, trade war or whatever one 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 might might do you think um, the pressure will be a real one or do you think it will just be superficial in order to maintain outwards externally that uh, this is an issue that norway cares about let's say lgbtq rights 
Yeah, I think that, like I, like I said, I think that Norway's critique of uh, countries like uh, like uh, China will uh, continue, or uh, as, as the as the as the U.S. and and as the uh, and as the West builds pressure on uh, on uh, on 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 China, but probably in a more superficial uh, way as the as the real issue is the not real issue uh, of the of the conflict is a yeah mm. economic one yeah very interesting mm. no i think this is a topic that's uh, very fresh and very alive this is something happening right now that we're discussing um so i mean obviously our our uh, forecasting it might not be true at all but i think i think we have a good uh, odds if we look at uh, if we if we listen to a lot of the experts that we have uh, uh, analyzed and listened to these these last weeks maybe you could present some of them uh, so that the listeners can can have a look also i can add the uh, links but uh, just some names yeah uh, as i said uh... John uh, John Mearsheim is a professor of international relations who has uh, predicted the um, sort of growing Cold War uh, between the U.S. and uh, and uh, China. Uh, and he uh, and from a realist point of view, he has uh, predicted that the uh, sort of economic and uh, also potentially a military conflict. Between the between the two um, global powers will sort of um, be be the main um, uh, be the main conflict for the for the coming century. Um, mm. However, uh, as I said, China also faces the demographic and uh, economic challenges, like uh, which is which is what analysts. Like uh, Peter Zion and uh, George Friedman have uh, have explained in their uh, in their uh, speeches and articles and uh, and books and the sort of Chinese economic miracle could could also possibly come come to an end as it faces uh, uh, demographic uh, crisis. As it faces uh, falling income from uh, exports, mm. and then of course the sort of um, realist competition that um, that Merzheimer has uh, mm, predicted in his, in his in his books and uh, and uh, and the speeches might not be um, might not be as uh, as relevant mm. at all because that. Like I said, it all depends on uh, on, uh, on 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 how 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 much or how fast China can continue its uh, economic miracle or growth. What, yeah. What, mm. yeah, or what 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 you want to call it. Mm, mm. So I will. Let... So there is still, of course, yeah. Sorry. There is still, of course. Um, uh, a considerable, uh, a considerable amount of uncertainty mm, mm. about that, and um, and uh, various differing op opinions or uh, 
point of, point of view. Mm. So I will add the three uh, the three names in uh, this episode. Um, and then I just want to thank you, Harvard, for uh, discussing this uh, unfamiliar territory for everyone and for trying to predict with me. Hopefully we will do one more episode uh, in a couple of uh, months and to see if any changes yeah. have been uh, made uh, globally uh, or what changes have been uh, have happened. And also to think, uh, yeah, to think a bit, uh, everyone can think a bit about what's going on around them, especially in the news, following the changes, following the, again, the alliances and the, and the opponents and the strategic uh, events happening uh, in the backdrop of, of, of what we are seeing. So thank you so much. And uh, it was a real pleasure sure. to have, have you again here on Political Park. Thank you, the same.